Good morning. Good morning. It's Monday, June 22nd, and I hope all of you had a wonderful weekend and a very happy Juneteenth. I'm very happy to see that Juneteenth is becoming, and soon will be, it already is for me, and I'm sure it is for uh, my listeners as well, um, a holiday, which I will be taking off of work and enjoying with my family. Um, because that is our true 4th of July. Um, I consider that our true 4th of July. Um, But I hope you all had a wonderful Juneteenth and a wonderful weekend. Um, This is the second uh, episode of the podcast series. I do apologize. I do want to record uh, more episodes more frequently. Um, Just life has kind of kept me from doing that, but I really promise to be better and I will be better. and getting you more episodes, even if they are not the length that I would like. Um, again, I started Blexit to be a place of empowerment and a place for us to come together and not only <clears throat> discuss how we can change the world and how we can change the outlook, <clears throat> excuse me, in the future for black people in this country and all who want to help and support us, but also for us to uplift one another and to help one another, not only create, you know, generational wealth for ourselves and our families and our friends, um, but also to support the black businesses that are out there now, and then find out where our business fits in and how we can promote that business. And even if it's just going back to square one, if you don't have a business, if you want to start a business, if you want to figure out how to use your skills and your talents and turn that into a business it's it's about all of those things for the black community and those who support us so um i want this podcast to be uplifting i want you to learn something and i want you to feel like you can reach out to me uh you can send emails you can you can um you know spread this podcast to your friends and family but you know i I want you to get something and something of value and something to benefit you Um, as well is to talk about what's happening in our country because I think they're not isolated things. I think the the drive for us to have our own, again, to rebuild Black Wall Street comes from a place of knowing that it's going to take time to see change in this country. But I want us to keep marching. I want us to keep protesting. I want us to keep being in the streets every single day to let, you know, all of these elected officials know we're not going anywhere. We demand change. We demand justice. So what I'd like to do is talk about, you know, some of the things that have happened since George Floyd's death. It is enraging. It is tiring. It is sad. And it is maddening because we have seen more death since his public lynching in Minnesota. We have seen more black men be shot and killed in police custody since then. We have seen black men and women be lynched in states all over this country since the death, the murder the public murder, the public lynching of George Floyd in Minnesota, and countless 
Blacks have died since then. We are tired. And everybody wants to say, well, what we need is reform. No. A flat out, absolutely not, no. Reform is not the answer. You can't reform racism out of the cops. You can't reform injustice out of them when that is what they do every day. They were created to keep us down. They were created to put us in jail by any means necessary. Oh, a broken taillight, go to jail, it's a felony. Now you can't vote. The system was set up to keep us poor, to put us in jail, therefore taking away our right to vote. Taking the money from our legacy from our birth certificate, but I'll get there in a, in a later episode. Funding the system, because that's how they get paid. That's how, it's, it's, it's a money game, and it's working as it was intended to, to keep us, to keep black families separated, to keep men and women in jail, so that we are serving ridiculously long sentences for small crimes. Even today, we see a sentence of 26 years for a black person versus two for a white person. Exact same crime. So when we think about the injustice of the legal system, it starts with the cops, it starts with their profiling, it starts with them doing what they were designed to do which is to find us, make an excuse to arrest us, make sure we get hung on a felony so we can't vote in the future and put us away for an extreme amount of time for taking a pack of gum. No probation, no slap on the wrist, no first offense, no go away for 20 years. So it's, it's doing what it was designed to do. So if we can't vote, or even if we get out and we've been convicted of a felony, we still can't vote, which handicaps us, handcuffs us to the point where we don't, we can't go out and have our voice be heard and cast that ballot. Oh, because we were convicted of a felony. Like I said, the system is doing what it was designed to do. So please take note, you know, I know a lot of primaries have already happened across the country, right? You've already voted in who you want in these offices as your senators, as your governors, as your mayors. If you haven't, if your primary hasn't come yet, please vote. Please vote. If you're not registered to vote, show up because you can register and vote that same day. And nobody can tell you you can't because you can. I've done it. I did it when I was 18. And now it's time. You have to cast your ballot. You have to cast your ballot. And on a later episode, I will drop some knowledge about where I want us to move as a community, as a people, because I am. It, it is my goal to set as many people who hear this podcast, who share this podcast, who I can reach, who I can teach to change their life. And that will be for a future podcast. But right now, we are on the cusp of needing drastic change. Change not only with the cops, but with all forms of government and all levels of government. So these elected officials, you take Minnesota, where the murder happened that kind of lit the spark to set us all off. 
you know, Amy Klobuchar, she should lose her job. She's in Washington. She should be kicked the hell out. Why? Because she let this murderous bastard continue to be on the street, continue with the multiple complaints. And she says, I wasn't in office. Well, I'm sure with all 18 complaints, you were in office for some of it and you did nothing. You look at this, you go to court and you see the cops talking to the lawyers, chummy chummy with the judge. This goes beyond the murderous cops. It goes to the lawyers. It goes to the senators. It goes to the judges. It goes to the mayor. That's why it is so important to cast your vote, at least for now, cast that vote and get out there to the ballots. And in November, show up. Show up. Get this racist KKK Grand Dragon out of the White House. Show up. Show up and vote in November because we have to create change and it's going to come not only at the White House because it just trickles down from there. A lot of these states can make their own laws and Minnesota supposedly, allegedly, according to, you know, some of the officials are stating that they are going to defund and dismantle the police. Now, that is exactly what I'm calling for. Defund dismantle defund dismantle and when I say this I do not mean murderous cops can just go from police precinct over here to you know citizen protection you know service and put on a new hat and they're the same murderous bastards that were over here wearing their blue uniform no absolutely not Absolutely not. Completely new people trained. And I know it's going to be a transition period. But we start that by taking the billions of dollars that they don't need. You have cops driving around in Teslas. Cops driving around in the newest, latest model of whatever, you know, vehicle is the new pot vehicle right now or whatever. And they're driving around with it decked out to the nines and all of these gadgets and their computers and all of their, you know, equipment that they need um, or that they have. I don't necessarily know that they need it for law enforcement in these brand new vehicles that cost (laughs) hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably, once you put all the equipment in there. They don't need that. They don't need it. They have a $3 billion budget or more? What are they doing with that money? They're like, oh, we're going to do body cams. Oh, we're going we're gonna to train them better. No, there is no amount of training. They've had over 400 years to be trained. They are doing what they were intended to do. And therefore, that system must be dismantled. Defund and dismantle. And when you defund it, Those monies are diverted to a completely separate system that does not hire ex-cops or anybody who was in the precinct to come over and be in charge of or run or work as a community protection servant, an order servant, and mental health servant, 
No, none of those people will be ex-cops in any capacity. And so by doing that, by defunding, you divert those funds over to new programs with completely different set of employees that are trained in multiple ways. And the first thing they're there trying to do is to help and de-escalate, not look for ways to generate revenue by giving out tickets. And then you have a bug up your ass and you decide, oh, I think I want to kill a black person today. No, we're done. We're done. You will not police us. You will not police our neighborhoods. We don't want you here. And that is where we stand. So we need to divert that money. And that happens when you go out and vote. And vote in November as well. Like I said, all of that money, the billions of dollars, we could be funding a new system of keeping people safe and keeping peace and keeping order. And doing that with a three-pronged process and not just cops with guns who go unchecked. I mean, that's the first layer of that and moving those funds over to a new way, a reimagined and better system. The second is creating community programs and putting those mo- putting that, that money back into the schools, back into the school systems, back into art, back into sports, back into um, music, in ways for people to express themselves and aftercare programs. There are billions of dollars. And if we divert that money to better, safer policing programs, better schools, because we're putting it back into the schools and investing it into these kids so that, that they have outlets and avenues so they don't get tempted to go down a wrong path. And also into healthcare and making healthcare and more accessible and free because other countries have figured it out and we're supposed to be this great country Mm. they figured it out we can figure it out too by not being greedy and start to divert money from these disgusting systems these virus systems and put it where it belongs in education in healthcare and in a better policing system also for better housing better housing that is what's going to help these communities and help people in general not just black people but we're here to make and create change and that is where those billions of dollars need to be diverted to and it needs to be diverted now right now all these budgets are coming up and you need to be there you need to be there when they are making these decisions because lots of us stay at home we never show up and they just get to vote whatever they want oh we're going to spend x number of dollars here and x number of dollars here why did the police need a billion dollar budget for body cams which they don't turn on for sensitivity training which we know does not work we are done There is no reform of a system that was built to do what it is doing, killing black people, sending them to jail, and making sure they can't vote. So move that aside. That is what we need to be asking for. That is true reform. Defund and dismantle. There is no other option. There is no other 
package or offer we are willing to accept. That is it. Bottom line. Period. So, if you are looking for a way to help outside of making sure you vote, making sure you register to vote, I watched the Oprah special the other day, and I think it is a good thing to um, not only make sure that you vote, commit to making sure that, okay, you have five fingers on each hand, commit to making sure that you help at least five other people vote who may not otherwise be able to. Maybe they have transportation issues. Maybe they have health issues. Get them a ballot so they can mail in their ballot. Help them, you know, drive down there. Um, You know, say, I'm going to vote. Does anybody need a ride? And take a couple people down there with you. Or, you know, however you can help them vote. Or can I get you a mail-in ballot? You know, and and let them do their mail-in ballot and go put it in the mail form. Whatever you can do to help those people vote, help them vote. Um, Also, I know I have, you know, I have limited time, which is one of the reasons I haven't been able to get more podcasts out, but I I am going to be better. Um, But what I can do is I can give, and that's what I've been doing. I've been giving. I've been signing petitions, and I've been giving money, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. So if you haven't signed petitions, just go to change.org. You can see the petitions that are there to help create change, to help bring about change. Please go to change.org and see what you can do. And if it's just donate, like I'm donating, I'm donating every day. Every time I sign a petition, I try to donate. I try to give money. I try to do what I can to bring about change. Um, And, you know, sign these petitions because they will help and know and challenge the people that you are voting for. You know, if they are holding rallies or if they are holding what they should be holding is virtual rallies right now with the pandemic still going on, the the health pandemic, the racial pandemic as well. But with the, the health pandemic, I think they should be holding virtual rallies and allowing people to come and go and, and having enough, you know, create enough bandwidth so you can get enough people on there so we can say, we want a bill. We want these laws enacted and we want them now. Not next month, not next year. No, we want them now. Because if they can create or push through a vaccine or these, these uh, trial drugs, then they can push through legislation to say that the police are now dismantled everywhere. I know that's not a flick of the wrist, snap your fingers thing that's going to happen overnight. First of all, at least two and a half or three billion dollars of their three billion dollar budget is diverted elsewhere. Okay? It's diverted elsewhere. They're, They're not getting that money anymore. We're done. We're done. You proved you did what you were set up to do and now we're not going to take it anymore. So you must change. So you must not change, correction, you must go. You must go. Your services are no longer needed. And yes, that's going to be a process. But anyway, that budget, that money, we want it diverted elsewhere. I've already said where it needs to go. Okay? You're not getting $3 billion anymore. You're not getting it. You don't need it. You don't need it. We have hospitals and clinics and, you know, frontline workers 
you know, necessity workers out here not having enough PPE and they are driving around in these, you know, souped up vehicles with all this extra stuff for what? (laughs) They don't need it and body cams that they don't turn on. No, we're done. Divert that money someplace else and that is our first demand. Dismantle the police. We know it's going to be a process. Lay that out. We want it dismantled within the next, I don't even want to give them a year. But, you know, we can we can negotiate, but it shouldn't take more than a year to get rid of them. It should take less time. Let's get these other organizations up and running. Let's get all of the new employees within them trained, and then they're done. They're gone. If you choose to have a police department, it's not getting any funding. It's getting the minimal amount of funding not even millions of dollars. They don't fucking need it. I'm just sorry. They have proven that this system doesn't work and it needs to be completely replaced. So why continue to fund something we know is a failure? It's just that simple. And um, I just think that, you know, and we need to have laws in place that while this transition is happening, you take a life, you get life. I don't care if somebody dies in your custody, you get life in prison. We're not going to wait for the evidence to charge you. You already know that that's what it is. So just go turn yourself in. Go pick a jail cell and set in it because you get life. We're done. Okay? So, and another thing too, all these protections, even for the new system, because we want to keep them honest, protections are done away with. They're done away with. Because we need to tell these people what our demands are so they can meet them. Because if we just say, oh, okay, you arrested the cops, we're good, we're going to go home now. No, no, this is just the beginning. So we want the funding gone. We want their protections gone. Dismantle, defund. And all protections gone. The cop isn't protected. You kill, you lose your pension. You're fired. No pension, no money, no nothing. See ya, bye-bye. And that's and that's even for the new system. Because the old one needs to be dismantled. On top of that, there are no protections. Not for the old system, not for the new one. You will not be protected from lawsuits. You are open to lawsuits. Lawyers open to lawsuits. Judges open to lawsuits. Senators, governors open to lawsuits. Especially when it comes to civil rights, when it comes to violation of your oath of office, when it comes to not serving the people, you can be charged. Especially when you know of crimes and crimes are committed and you know of them and you do nothing, you should be charged as well. You should be charged as well because you are responsible. You took on this job. You took on the responsibility so you can take on the recourse that comes from that when you don't do your job. Period. And I think we also need to, you know, on top of making them accountable and holding them accountable, we need to have mandatory sentences for for a list of crimes and then other ones to to be determined, but we have suggestions for what those sentences will be. We are going to have ones for murder. We are going to have ones for violating oath of office. We are going to have ones for, you know, misappropriation of funds and things like that. And those will be mandatory. You can't, you have to, it's going to be like a multiple choice. Which one, which one are we going to apply to you? Because you're not going to wiggle out of it. Because the judges are in on it too. We know this whole system is corrupt. 
So, I mean, those those are just some simple things that need to be our demands. Because we can't just say, oh, we want change, we want change. We have to be specific about what we want. Spell it out, you know, detail it out and give it to them and say, this is what we demand. These are our demands. And we want to see this and we want to see it now, right now. Like I said, if you can push through a vaccine, you can push through legislation. And they're trying to hurry, hurry, rush, rush a bill. And we haven't even seen it. We do not accept this bill when it does not reform and dismantle, defund, and divert those funds elsewhere and create new systems. And I'm telling you, those new systems are an opportunity for all of us to create businesses to serve our communities. So the other half of this is starting to look at those businesses if we when we move forward to get what we are demanding these new systems have to come from somewhere that's why now's the time even in the midst of this pandemic you need to think about how I can help and like I said if you're in a position where the way you can help is giving money which is where I'm at right now and being out there and protesting and 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 being that voice and helping support other protesters so we can continue this fight then that's what we do and if you're in a position where you also have the time and possibly some money or what have you to start that business to start a small company where you can start providing those policing services that are better that were built to serve and protect to de-escalate a situation to talk to someone who's going through a hard time and not pull out your gun and shoot them to death or put your knee on their neck in a public murder start the businesses seeing how you can serve your community what does your community need if it is in need of a better protection system then create that create that teach self-defense teach someone and teach you know and teach the people that you want to hire you know start bringing them into your system start teaching them you know self-defense ways to de-escalate a situation ways to take down somebody who might be dangerous without shooting them without using deadly force educate them that this new system and even if it's not part of that bill just yet it's going to be but teach them to de-escalate. Teach them to evaluate, you know, evaluate the situation and, and use their skills and train them and make sure and, and run through scenarios, you know. Um, but if their first line of thought is to serve and protect and de-escalate, you've already created a better system. So start small. You know, hire a couple people, make sure you do background checks on them, make sure you fingerprint them, make sure you go through the process. So part of what I do is IT, but the other part I do is business consulting. And I help people who want to start businesses and who want to, you know, get out of their nine to five, or maybe their nine to five is gone right now due to COVID and it may not come back. Who knows? So that is part of my process and part of my goal is to help you wherever you're at be productive give back to not only your community but to society as a whole 
And if there is a way or a plan that I can walk you through to help you do that, I'm here for you. Because I have helped several people start their own businesses. I mean, I have given them counsel. I have mentored them. And I am here for you. I am here for my listeners who want to bring about change and who want to see this country and this world change for the better. So, you know, reach out to me. Um, I do have an email. It's blexit2020 at gmail.com. And I I really want to see us not only continue to protest, vote, help others vote, but I want us to look within ourselves and see what we can be doing. What more can we do? Is it just donating? Is it starting that business? Because we're going to need new businesses. We're going to need community support. And we need our own publications. We need our own Amazon. We need our own Facebook. We need our own Instagram. We already have, you know, someone who has created a pay, a pay, a payment system. So, um, and I want to be here for you. And that is another part of this podcast is when I help you guys create these businesses. And even if I don't, and you've already created them and they're empowering and they're helping build a better community and you want to come on and talk about it and we can record a session. I am here for you. I am here for that. And I would love to talk about your business. I would love to talk about what you're doing to change your community. I would love to hear from you and partner with you. And um, if that is something you're interested in and help you know, grow communities, help grow businesses and help, you know, empower the people and bring back Black Wall Street and bring back, you know, the greatness of the black community and um, in so many ways, in so many ways. There's so many conversations I want to have and share with you all. um, But I think I'll, I think I've talked a lot and I think I've left you with a lot. But please remember, vote. Go to change.org and sign the petitions. Donate if you can. And if you need help, if you want to talk about um, starting a business and not knowing where to start, if you're looking for ways that you can help the community, please reach out. Uh, It's blexit2020 at gmail.com. And so please reach out. uh, and, And I am here for you. And I wish you all the best. Thank you for listening. Please share this podcast with your friends and family members and on social media. Uh, Help me grow this community. And um, I just, I pray for you all for safety and blessings. And I hope you all um, enjoy this podcast and, and look for the next one soon. Thank you and be well. Good afternoon, good evening, uh, whatever time you are listening to this podcast. Um, welcome to Blexit. Uh, I appreciate you joining and listening and being a part of this podcast community. Um, this is my third episode, so I'm uh, still very new here and I want to keep it real. I want to keep it raw. And I felt the need to come on today and talk to you guys about um, budgets and this whole idea of policing and how 
we need to look at the system that's currently in place, the system that's completely um, not serving the people of this entire country. And um, Sean King mentioned this on his web, on his um, on his Instagram, and he also mentioned it on his podcast, The Breakdown. Um, and I love Sean King. And if you um, are not following him, go check out his Instagram. Go check out his podcast. Um, he is one of the inspirations that I had for doing my own podcast, along with a lot of leaders who have kind of taken up the batons in their own way, in their own um, social media platforms, whatever they are, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, what have you, uh, Twitter, um, to use their platform, use their influence to reach out to their followers, to help keep this movement going and to educate their followers and to give them someone that they know, they follow, and they trust already, um, a voice and a, a, a mission to kind of, you know, charge towards. So I appreciate you all. I thank you all. And please keep doing the good work and the good fight because we are just beginning. But to go back to the 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 point of this podcast or the main objective is to talk about this whole policing situation. Now, in episode two, um, I do talk about defunding the police and I talk about voting and I want to make sure that that's clear and I've addressed that already. But when we look at what the police actually do, and this statistic kind of blew my mind when I heard Sean King talk about it. And so I Googled it. I looked it up and I found that in a lot of cities, and these are just some cities, this is some data. And I, you know, I implore you all, my listeners and whoever wants to know what the crime rate is or the amount of police response for certain crimes, use this as your measuring stick and then do your own research and find out what those numbers are in your city. Because lots of people can say that information is skewed, but let's hope we focus on the on the solution and and we know we see what the problems are and not that we have uncovered every problem because we haven't but we kind of see what the problems are and we know we're overfunding the police so in the statistic it says that the police only respond to a small fraction of of cases that are murder or homicide, which is, you know, also murder, but, or of other, you know, crimes against other people. Um, But it's a very small percentage. And when you look this up, when, when you hear the number and that percentage, then you realize we could be using other forms of addressing these issues in society course there has to be some kind of help for you know um the underserved neighborhoods the neighborhoods where we need health care we need better schools we need more social programs to help with um you know ment- the mental health crisis in the country and everyone suffers every class of people struggle with mental health issues the rich the poor it doesn't discriminate but we need to have more of these societal um, constructs to be able to help 
um, youth so that when they start to veer off the path, when they start to need that extra support that maybe they don't have at home, maybe they're a one-parent household, that there's these resources within the community that they can have and that they can reach out to. So that's where we need to be spending this money. Also in education, and, and I know um, at least our, our K-12 through programs are providing better nutrition um, by looking at you know what we're putting in our bodies, by bringing back programs that help children have outlets, and that is sports, that is arts. It gives them a way to express themselves in a way that they don't have now. And, you know, I can't express how important healthcare is. And I separate mental health from physical health because they are two separate things. And yes, they're connected, but they're separate as well. And I think we need to invest in a mental health component and definitely a physical health component. And also in our schools and helping our communities so that there's less opportunity for kids and adults and and like to kind of veer off into this path where they just feel alone and abandoned. And if we divert these funds to programs that are going to invest in the people, because you got to think, this constitution, and it probably wasn't written for my people, it wasn't written for black people, but assuming, (laughs) let's assume that it is now, when we say this government is built for the people, it is for the people. And we have to remember that the power lies with the people. It lies with us. And it lies with our ability to elect people that we feel are going to do their jobs. Now, I don't want a repeat of yesterday's podcast or, you know, episode two, but we have the power to put these people in office. And we also need to write the laws to have the power to remove them from office, regardless of if it's the end of their term or not. But just remember how powerful you are as a person who can vote, who can go to these legislative meetings and go to these town halls and voice your opinion. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's super important that you do this um, just like uh, I believe his name is Gary Gary Chambers Jr., who put out the video um, about the Baton Rouge um, council person just sitting there scrolling the internet, shopping, while she should have been listening to the people. The people put her in that position. Now it's time for the people to make sure she gets removed. And you can, because we have the power. Now getting back to where I wanted this episode three podcast to be about is the police and the funding and how are we going to get money for all these programs well the statistic that Sean um, King shared was that only four percent of the crimes do the police actually report to that are dangerous crimes that you would call the police out to. There's only 4%. 4% of the time is when you need police to be dispatched to those particular crimes, like homicide, you know, like other heinous crimes against 
you know, your body or your person, um, which I won't get into here, but, um, I'm sure you can imagine what those crimes would be. Um, but that's only 4%. So the other 96% of crimes or misdemeanor kind of things that the police are being called out to are non-life-threatening and other organizations can be called out to assist and facilitate and diffuse those situations like traffic violations or, you know, breaking and entering after the person's already gone or vandalism and things like that or just minor offenses that you call the police for or an accident. I mean, the police don't even do anything if you get into a car accident anymore. You basically just have to exchange information with the other person and you handle it on your own. So 96% of what the police are used for, they're completely not needed. So in my mind, in my call, to defund and dismantle the police. That's the only thing they should be called out to is those homicides and those other heinous crimes against people like, you know, um, like rape and murder and homicide. Those things are the only times the police need to be called and not even in, in necessarily in, you know, a, a crime against your body because the police can't really do anything for you. Yes, that they, they need to be called out in the fact that they need to get a description of the victim, not the victim, but get a description of the, uh, the perpetrator. They need to be called out to, you know, have a, an idea of what this person looks like, get a sketch, um, possibly have them look through some books and maybe identify somebody that they may or may not have had in custody at one time or another. So yes. Um, but, for the most part, 96% of the crimes do not need the police. And when I say defund and dismantle, the cops that are there are not there to serve the proper purpose. So they all need to go. Um, and the 4% that they can respond to, then that 4%, you can hire and train completely new officers and again you put in new statutes in place if someone ends up dead at your hands because you went out to investigate one of the four percent of crimes you're allowed to investigate then you automatically go to jail it's like a checkbox you do this then you get this this or this there is no oh we'll let you wiggle out of it oh well you didn't mean it no you are responsible you took the job so be prepared to be held accountable to the consequences of your actions if you don't follow protocol period we're going to go down the list we don't leave it up to the judge who's corrupt too or the prosecution who's corrupt too or any of the da's or any of the people already in the system because we know they're corrupt and you know i talked about this in episode three so again i don't want to go down that rabbit hole but there is a 96 percent budget out there 96% of a billion of billions of dollars in funding out there that the cops currently have. And I call to decrease their budget by 96%. So we get 96% of those billions of dollars that the cops have, 
which God knows what they're using it for. Oh, body cams. Oh, re-education. Well, we know body cams don't work because they don't turn them on. Re-education doesn't work because you can't unprogram a racist or a murderer or someone who is just going to take the law into their own hands, which they do every day, and disregard life, which they do every day, and continue to hurt, harm, maim, and kill regular everyday citizens not doing anything but asking questions or complying peacefully with their requests. So I say we cut 96% of their billion dollar budget and we divert that 96% of a billion dollar budget of billions of dollars in funding and we divert it to those other programs. Because I tell you, 4%, they can keep 4% of their billions of dollars in budgeting and then they have to dismantle and get rid of all the cops that are currently in place now and anyone who's ever, ever had a complaint I say all of them. I say get rid of all of them and start that process to turn over. And the new staff aren't allowed to work with the old staff because those bad habits you don't want seeping into the new staff. So train that new staff and then we do a complete reversal and switch. Um, That is what I call for. And I call for all my listeners to spread the word, defund and dismantle the police department everywhere in this country. And they have billions of dollars in funding. And we need to divert 96% of that billions of dollars in funding someplace else to better systems, to protect and serve the communities of this country, non-policing systems, better health care, more education, more sports and arts in the schools to help the kids more mental health, more physical health. All of that is possible by defunding the police and taking 96% away from their billion dollar budget and diverting that money to other resources to help with all of the other issues that the police are supposedly getting called for. And that brings me to my second thing that I want to talk about during this podcast, and that is the blue flu. The police are so concerned about our safety, but yet they can't stop killing us when they show up on the scene. I don't believe it for a minute. And they want to be angry because they're being held accountable for taking the lives of citizens just because they feel like it. And they don't have to deal with any consequences. Oh, I killed somebody, so what? I'm going to walk, I'm going to get my pension, and I'm going to go out and do it again. No, they must be held accountable. They must be fired, they must lose that pension, and they must serve jail time. No judge can just slap them on the wrist. No, you know, district attorney can say, oh, well, you know, or defense attorney. Well, they, they were just acting within their rights. They didn't use excessive force. They feared for their life. The cops that killed Breonna Taylor went into her home with a no-knock warrant, shot and killed her and then left. They didn't perform CPR. They didn't try to resuscitate her. They just walked out and fucking left. Excuse my language, but they left. They walked out and they left. They left. They didn't do anything, anything to help her 
or to try to save her life. That is unacceptable. So as far as I'm concerned, they can have the blue COVID. I don't care. Go away and never come back. Because those are the kind of cops that kill people and think they shouldn't be held accountable. Those are the kind of cops that make an excuse to take you to jail and charge you with anything. And then you don't make it out alive. So every cop that called in for the blue flu should be fired and they should lose their pension. Because if they're so necessary to society, if they're so necessary, they are costing lives in which I'm sure they took an oath to uphold and protect. They are literally costing lives by calling in with the blue flu, air quotes. So it's all a lie. It's all a guise to try to distract you and say, oh my gosh, you're going to need us and we're not going to be there. Well, guess what? We don't need you. We don't need your 4%. No thank you. Because black Americans are dying at higher rates than any other country in the world. We have more murders here in the U.S. than probably the whole world combined due to policing. Due to policing. If you just look at policing. And it's got to stop. So take your blue flu have blue COVID. I don't care. Go away. We don't need you. Don't come back. I hope they get fired and I hope they don't get their pension because we don't need them. The statistics prove we don't need them and we can get other cops that are trained appropriately and don't have this killer mentality to come in and do that 4% of policing we actually need the cops for. So with the blue flu, They want to report, they, I mean, some of the news media and outlets want to report, there was a huge uptick and there were 50 shootings and oh my gosh, the police called in and it went crazy. It's all a guise. Now I'm not saying there may not have been shootings or there may not have been violence, but those shootings would have happened anyway because most of the time when that happens, the shooting the murder, what have you, the felony has already occurred and the police show up after. Again, that's part of the statistic. So again, they're not saving anyone. If anything, they're causing more murders and more illegal imprisonment by innocent people that they want to say, oh, you're going to talk back? Oh, I have have a chip on my shoulder, so I'm going to arrest you. How dare you talk to me that way? There's something called the Constitution, and there's something called the freedom of speech. So, again, there is this message going around that we need the cops and we don't. Four (laughs) percent. They're not doing enough to have a billion-dollar budget. They're not. And what they are doing is criminal. And why would you reward a criminal with a billion-dollar budget? So we need to defund, we need to dismantle. And please, when you are looking at the news, whatever outlet you so choose to be informed from, remember that this blue flu and us seeing a spike in crime because of all the cops called in and, and, or, or half the precinct or more called in and they have the blue flu and then the crime rate spiked 
be careful of what you take in and look at who's reporting it and look at their motivation for reporting it. Because while you think, oh, I really rely on this news and I really believe in this news and it doesn't seem like it's fake news or it doesn't seem like it's skewed or very biased. No, it's really not. But you have to really pay attention to what statistics are being shown to you and what is being said. Because just because the police called in doesn't mean those crimes wouldn't have taken place already. They could have been part of some kind of um, rally or rioting that got out of hand. And don't get me wrong, in case I haven't said it before, but I probably said it in episode one, I don't care about the riots. I'm for the protests, but I am not going to sit here and talk about the rioting and how this, that, and the other. I don't care. This is about change by any means necessary. And so I am not concerned about that. I am concerned with progress. And I am with my people. I am with the protesters. And we need to bring about change. And we do that by continuing to protest and going out and going out to the polls and voting and making sure we help five other people vote. Um, but again, they are skewing those reports and I'm not sure that I believe them. Um, I'm going to take them with a grain of salt because you can't say that that wouldn't have happened anyway. And it's so interesting that there's a spike all of a sudden when the police call in. When we've advertised the police call in, then we want to advertise there's a spike in crime. Well, I'm not really going to lean all the way in on that because I don't believe the statistics. I don't know that it's actually true. Um, And we'll see what happens. They called in previous days and they didn't report a spike. But I think they took advantage of the fact of a lot of things happening this weekend and protests happening this weekend to say that, oh, there was a spike. And so take the information you're getting with a grain of salt, you know, challenge it, really look into the numbers. And again, even if they are somewhat accurate, it doesn't mean that those things wouldn't have happened even if the police were at full capacity. Um, So again, we need to defund the police. We need to dismantle the police. Um, They are not being um, representative of what they were hired to do and what they signed up for. Um, They signed up to serve and protect, and they are not doing that when they call in with the blue flu. They're trying to punish us. They're trying to retaliate against U.S. citizens because uh, we want to hold them accountable for taking lives of innocent people. When I say innocent, I'm not saying that these people necessarily may not have committed a crime, but most of them are really minor. And they're not even crimes because George Floyd's bill wasn't even counterfeit. But um, they're really minor offenses. Oh, you pulled over for a taillight and you're dead. You're shot dead in your car in front of your girlfriend and your child. So, no. No. They're not committing offenses that are worth losing their lives for. And they should be held accountable for taking life. Like, I was scared for my life. You were wearing a bulletproof vest. You have a billion-dollar budget with your bulletproof vest, your taser, your gun, and you're fearful for your life? (laughs) Well, why did you take this job? Why did you decide to be a cop? (laughs) Ask yourself that. 
before you go saying, oh, I don't want to be held accountable for my actions. No other person who works for a living can say, oh, I killed my coworker, but you know, or I killed my client, but I don't want to be held responsible for that. No other person who works a job who has a client and they kill their client can say, I don't want to be responsible for killing my client. When you put it in that context, you realize how ridiculous it is for these cops to not be held accountable for killing their clients, for killing the people that they are hired to protect and serve. Murdering them and not being held accountable. I will leave you with that thought. Um, so that's what I wanted to come on here for. This episode is all about defunding and dismantling the police. It's all about a 4% budget that they should have. They get 4% of their billion dollar budget. And I don't even think their budget should be billions of dollars. But again, defund and dismantle. Let's sign the bill. Let's get it enacted. Let's vote. Get out there and try to help five other people vote. Um... And remember, you know, I, I love this one of my favorite quotes um, by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And if we don't end this injustice, if we don't end this violent criminal policing of blacks in this country and across the world, I mean, we have that global support and I love it so much then I don't know that there's a lot of hope for us. I really, I really hope that um, that sinks in and you realize how powerful you are, how powerful your voice is. Get out and vote. Um, Be well, stay safe, wear a mask and wash your hands. Um, Share this podcast with your friends and family and thank you for listening.